1: If you are a real estate investor and you're looking for more funding for your deals without relying on hard money lenders or any kind of institutional money, don't go anywhere because I'm getting ready to plug you into the money with my new free book that I'm going to ship to you. Don't go anywhere. Well, hello there and welcome to Real Estate Investing with Jay Connor. I'm your host, Jay Connor, also known as the Private Money Authority. And what we do here on the show is we talk all things relating to real estate investing. We talk about how to find deals before other real estate investors know about the opportunities, how to fund your deals without using any of your own money, without using any kind of institutional money, any kind of bank money, any kind of mortgages, anything like that. Uh, We talk about rehabbing. uh, We talk about self storage. We talk about land deals. We talk about creative deals. We talk about controlling properties on terms. We talk about selling fast. We talk about automation and we talk about the real estate that exists between your ears. How do you have the right mindset? Before you actually get into real estate investing, or if you're already into real estate investing, how can you have a better mindset to control the future and your destiny? Well, as I mentioned a moment ago, I've got a free gift for you my brand new book. It's an Amazon bestseller. It was just released. This book is titled, as you can see, Where to Get the Money Now. And the subtitle, How and Where to Get Money for Your Real Estate Deals Without Relying on Traditional or hard money lenders. This book will show you step-by-step on how to attract hundreds of thousands and millions of dollars of real estate funding, and it is yours for free. All you do is go to www.jayconner.com forward slash book, B-O-O-K, that's J-A-Y-C-O-N-N-E-R.com forward slash book, B-O-O-K, and we'll get your actual hard copy autographed and shipped to you right away. Well, if you are new to real estate investing with Jay Connor, you may not know that um, first of all, <laughs> we're getting ready to go right on through 300,000 downloads and listens since we started the show. But in addition to that, I've had some amazing guests here on the show and today is no exception. My guest today has got many awards and accomplishments and achievements. He's an eight-time recipient of Ohio Nationals Inner Circle. What in the world's that? Well, that's the top 1% of U.S. financial representatives. He's a five-time qualifier and a four-time recipient of the Executive Council of Honor. And uh, he has just got so many accomplishments. He qualified for the 2017 Gamma Silver International Management Award. And uh, he is a master mentor of both Circle of Wealth and the Break- Breakaway League. He's the president and CEO of Solid Rock Financial Group. And he leads the organization with incredible passion and vision. He's instrumental in setting the pace and tone of what's truly possible through his dedication and commitment to advocate what he believes, not only for his own clients, but also through the mentorship of financial professionals within Solid Rock and the U.S. So with that, my friend, Mr. John Dwyer, welcome to the show. Hello, John.
2: Hey Jay. Thanks man. Thanks for having me on. Uh, I really appreciate being here.
1: Absolutely. I'm glad to have you, John. And uh, so John, I don't know anybody better qualified than you. To talk about how it is you are qualified to do what you do. So, what are your qualifications and your experience?
2: So, I, you know, I've been, well, before we start, I should probably start off just saying that, you know, because of the compliance issues, that, you know, these discussions do not serve as legal advice or as a, or a tax consequences or any opinion. This is just a conversation about money and wealth. So, if you, need to have certain legal and tax advice, please seek out those professionals. This is just more of a conversation. So now that we got that out of the way, Jay, I can answer your question. Very good. So um, I've been in the financial planning industry for a little over 20 years. And um, my background is is when I first got in this business, I was doing what everybody else was doing from a planning perspective. And quickly on, uh, I started to realize that what I was helping clients understand and do from a traditional planning standpoint w- was broken. And so the last 13 years I've been working with and helping people understand how wealth works and how money works, and that's completely different than what we're taught to be true as it relates to to traditional money management and finance, right? So, And to your point, the things that you're helping your audience with is, is looking at things from a different perspective, how to how to create wealth utilizing other people's capital and different things like that. And so those are the things that we help our clients understand as it relates to how wealth works, because there's a huge difference between wealth and math and especially money.
1: So you mentioned that most people really don't understand really how wealth works. So how about take a a few minutes and explain what are the big myths? What are the big misconceptions that people typically or some people have in their mind about how wealth works? And then after identifying those misconceptions, tell us how wealth really works.
2: So, yeah, so that there's there's things that we talk to our clients about. and I think one of the biggest things is you know, when I look at someone's um, overall position, it's something that I call a wealth transfer, right? And these are money, these are monies that we're losing unknowingly and necessarily the government and the institutions on a daily or yearly or over a lifetime basis. And we've identified over 37 transfers of wealth that people incur throughout their lifetime. Now, it doesn't mean everybody's going to have 37; they might have one or two, right? But it, it can equate to hundreds, if not thousands, if not millions of dollars to people over their lifetime if they if they look at certain things of how they're positioning their assets or what they're doing so you know one one of the big things that we talk about is there's a huge difference between average rate of return and actual rate of return and if you understand what we're taught in the financial industry you know everybody looks at their their return on investments or they typically look at money from a rate of return perspective and it's not so much the rate of return that matters it's what you can spend right and so we help our clients understand that there's a huge difference between average rate of return and actual rate of return and helping them evaluate that from an overall wealth perspective. So I'll, I'll give you an example, okay? So in the traditional model, Jay, let's just say that you and I were having a conversation. I said, Jay, you know what? I can guarantee you an average rate of return on investment over a two-year time period of 20%. Now, would you typically invest your money in some in a deal like that?
1: That sounds great on the surface.
2: Sounds great on the surface, right? So let's take a look, at, and we're led to believe that we're going to have more money because I guaranteed you an average rate of return. Now, if we look at this from from how this works, so let's just say the investment's going to be $100, Jay, right? And you give me $100, and the first year I knock it out of the park, we get a 100% rate of return. We have another tech bubble or, you know, another new stock that creates a huge rate of return. So that, that $100 at 100% rate of return for the first year is $200. The second year we start out with $200, we have an oops in the market, or we have a correction, and we lose 60%. So that's a 60% loss on the $200, which means that we're, that's $120 loss and we're left with 80. But if I look at the two year average rate of return, if I subtract, if I take the hundred, the hundred percent, subtract out the 60, that's 40% divided by two. What's your average rate of return, Jay?
1: I think I lost money. <laughs>
2: okay. Your average, your average rate of return is 20%, but your actual money, your, what you have, your actual return, yeah, you lost money. You end up with $80. So there's a huge difference between average rate of return and actual rate of return. And, and math is the average and money is actual. And so when we look at and help people understand how wealth works, those are the conversations that we're talking. Cause in our industry, people always talk about, well, what's your average rate of return? I don't care what your average rate of return is. I care what your actual rate of return is because the two are completely different. That, so really, uh,
1: that should be an aha moment for most people. <laughs>
2: It's a huge aha moment because we're led to believe, right? 20%. That's how everybody talks. If you average 8%, 10%, you're going to have all this. No, you're not. You have to And the actual returns will always be less than the average always.
1: Right. So once I understand, and I do once, once myself and the audience understands that difference, how can we use that information to our benefit when we're looking to invest?
2: And I think that that's a great question, right? Because what we have to do is we have to remove the, uh, the, the belief system I call our BS that averages really matter and we need to start looking at what we contribute to the asset and what we're actually getting in return of net of fees, net of tax, net of all these different things to find out even from a cash flow perspective, right? In real estate, we have the expenses, we have, you know, all these different things and we have to look at what our cap rates are and all these different things of what the actual return on the investment is versus just you know what the modeling portfolio might look like from an average perspective, and it's interesting. So, uh, go ahead. Yeah,
1: go ahead. Go ahead.
2: So it's just you know even in the real estate space, and I'm sure you've seen this, Jay, right? Where people often think about what their returns are, but when they start to exp- extrapolate all the expenses, the fees, and yes, you, the depreciation, sometimes they're like, man, this thing isn't isn't as good as I thought it was.
1: Real quick y'all, you guys already know that I don't run any ads on this and I don't sell anything. And so the only ask I can ever ask of you guys is that you help me spread the word so we can help more real estate investors make more money feed their families and have the private money they need to fund their deals. And the only way we can do that is if I ask you to rate and review and share this podcast. So the single thing that I ask you to do is you can just leave a review. It'll take you 10 seconds or one type of the thumb. It would mean the absolute world to me. And more importantly, it may change the world of someone else. Exactly. So, what I just heard you say or how to apply what you just taught us is when you're looking at a potential investment, say in a mutual fund, in a a stock or any other type of investment opportunity, the person looking to sell you that investment opportunity is telling you the average rate of return, what i would implement based on what you just say is okay that's the average rate of return what is the actual rate of return and if they can't tell you you probably don't want to do business with them right
2: that's right and <laughs> a lot of and a lot of these you know a lot of these deals with syndications and different things that we hear about they'll 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 share what the the rate of return is but if you put a future value calculator to it you find out what the real numbers are and it's 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 off and not that it's a bad opportunity, but it's not what they're promoting as far as average, right? And so, and so it's even it even comes into play for when we look at, for me, I don't care what the rate of return on your money is, is I care what you can spend. So let me quantify that for a little bit, right? So let's just say that, Jay, you're working with somebody, you go to advisor A and they're saying, okay, Jay, at retirement, you're gonna have $5 million in asset value, okay? You go to advisor B they tell you they're going to have $3 million of asset value at retirement. Well, which one are you led to believe you're going to hire the the one, the larger amount? Yeah. The $5 million. Right. But what if that $5 million is going to generate $200,000 to you in retirement, but it's all taxable Mm. versus the 3 million is going to generate a hundred thousand, $180,000 tax exempt. Now, which number do you want?
1: The 3 million,
2: the 3 million. So what you just told me, Jay, is a lower rate of return is better from a cash flow perspective in distribution. See, it's not just so much the asset value, it's what I can spend, but that's
1: not what ties in in is when you're considering an investment. The big, one of the big questions is what is the tax consequence of that investment?
2: Huge. And a lot of times that what what we're taught to do is we're taught to put money into an account to lower our tax liability today but all that's done is postpone the tax and the tax calculation to some date in the future. And if you believe what I believe, that tax rates are only going to get higher. That's probably not a good decision, but see what we're, what we're taught is that we hate paying taxes, right? So CPAs and other legal strategies, they'll, they'll want to do tax reductions to save the taxes today. but it's not a tax savings. All it is, is a postponement because you're all you're doing is postponing the tax and the tax calculation some date in the future, which could be more painful later on. And so it's just, these things are the things that we just have to look at and help people navigate through as they make financial decisions, no matter what they're doing.
1: Makes a lot of sense. Changing the subject, um, John, uh, one thing that you and I have talked about in the past is you are an expert when it comes to teaching people how to use other assets or leveraging other assets in order to invest in real estate. How about take a few minutes and talk with people about that as to how they can do that and what that even means.
2: Yeah. So people that are generally involved, or starting to get involved in real estate really understand collateral, right? You understand collateral probably better than anybody, Mm -hmm. right? And so what we have to understand is that collateral can be a very valuable tool. And if we understand that collateral is a valuable tool, but how do we make it more efficient for ourselves is that we, when we look at utilizing liquidity, use and control of capital, I never want to lose the forward momentum of my wealth. I never want to give up the miracle of uninterrupted the compounding interest. We all understand compounding interest, but we have to take it one step further because it's not the miracle of compounding interest that matters. It's the miracle of uninterrupted compounding interest that matters. We never want to lose the forward momentum of our wealth. So when you look at collateral, right, there's places that you can park and store wealth to where you can use that capital, allow that continue to compound and grow, and then go do something else with the money. When you start to employ those types of strategies, now you're getting more money in supply on their dollars because you're having your dollars do more than just one thing. You're having it do multiple things. And so when we look at this, we just want to help clients understand that there's strategies and things set in place that we can utilize to our benefit to where we can leverage collateral, right? And there's a big difference between having debt and being in debt. We don't want to be in debt. We want to have it. We want to have the collateral and the opportunity to go take advantage of opportunity. Does that help Jay? Yeah.
1: You also talk about the importance of the velocity of money. What does that mean and what's the consequences to an investor?
2: So if we think about what traditional planning tells us to do, Right. They'll tell us to put money in IRAs, 401k, set plans, mutual funds. And you're supposed to leave that money in the accounts for how long? (laughs) Until you die. Until you die. Right. (laughs) Because when is it when is a good when is a good time to take the money out? Well, the market's taken off. Don't take it out now. Or the market just corrected. You want to buy back in. You know, so when is a good time to have liquidity use and control of your money? Right. But when we talk about velocity and money, let's look at what the institutions do. Because in my mind, the institutions know how to create wealth. And so when Jay, when you and I park our money, our capital into a bank, right? What does the bank do with those dollars? They loan it out. They loan it out. So the bank doesn't take that money and they don't park it in their CDs, IRAs, or 403Bs or 401Ks that they tell us to put our money into, right? They actually take our money. They'll loan it. So if I take the money to the bank I deposit my capital, you're a business owner that needs to buy a piece of equipment, you happen to bank at the same bank I do, you're gonna go to the bank and borrow their money or actually my money, right? And then in turn, you're gonna turn around and you're gonna purchase some equipment from the manufacturer who happens to bank at the same bank, right? And so that deposit is gonna come back into the bank. Well, how many uses did I get with my dollar when I put the money into the bank?
0: Uh,
2: One. (laughs) I got one, how many did the bank get? multiple <laughs> multiple right but see velocity so this is the economic principle Mo- velocity is money velocity of money is the money in movement and if you understand collateral and if you understand liquidity use of control of your money having access to capital is what allows you to create those opportunities to where you can keep your money in movement but you never want to interrupt the the compounding curve you would never want to lose that forward momentum of your money to go do other things, just like what the banks do. See, we're a pawn in their game. They have the rules. We just, we don't look at the playbook. We don't look understand what, what the play code is and, and do what they do. We do the exact opposite. And it, what really boggles my mind, if you know, I start to get passionate about this is that the banks do the exact opposite of what they tell us to do with our money. Yet they're the ones making all the money. Why aren't we doing what they do? and it goes in exactly what you're coaching and teaching with your with your students.
1: Yeah, it's like you don't have to look very far downtown who is it that owns the biggest buildings in the downtown cities, right? It's right. the banks. <laughs> it's the banks. The bank. so, hey, look, perhaps we as individuals should consider being the bank, which is sort of another conversation.
2: Uh, it, but it I, is. I, yeah. And, it, and it's just, you're right. It's another conversation, but the whole point is, is that we, so the last 12 years is I've just helping people understand it's a paradigm shift, right? Cause we've been ingrained in, and taught to do certain things with our money, but it's the definition of insanity, Jay. It's doing the same thing over and over and over again, trying to get a different result. And if you exactly. look around are, and if you look around, are people able to retire at the same standard of living that they had during their working career? No. no. So it's broken. I mean, it's broken. And if we help people understand how wealth works, right? That's what's going to help them get to the next level of of overall planning.
1: One of the uh, most, um, one of the most important, in my opinion, strategies or investing tools, that I know of today and have known of for years is this thing called self-directed IRAs. And I know you're an expert in this area when it comes to um, advising your clients on what a self-directed IRA is, how to take advantage of it. And of course that could easily be a full day seminar conversation, but just take a couple of minutes, tell people what self-directed IRAs are and why it is they might want to consider talking with you about getting one set up if they don't have one set up.
2: Well, so a self-directed IRA is where typically where you have money in, in a 401k and, and another type of retirement account. And you can move that money into an account to where you can manage and do different things with it. Right? And so real simple terms, a self-directed IRA is you get to utilize the money inside the 401k arena or the quali- let me call it qualified plan money. And go do different things with that money you can buy gold you can buy different assets you can buy real estate now what i would say though jay is this and i think where the 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 really important conversation is is that when we look at future tax rates maybe the self-directed ira is not the best place to, to utilize a real estate deal because when we look at real estate what are the one of the one of the reasons or advantages of real estate is what jay
1: well, there's lots of benefits. It depends on what you're doing with it. If you are buying and holding it, and if you've sold it on rent to own, then of course you get to take advantage of depreciation and mm-hmm. other tax
2: advantages, such as that.
1: Uh, so that's just one big benefit if you're buying
2: and holding. Buying and holding, right. And you also get the, the like you said, the depreciation, but you also get cap cap gains treatment, right? Now the undercurrent administration, who knows where that's going to go to? That's a whole other conversation. But the the problem that I potentially see inside a self directed IRA, it's not that it's bad, but we just have to be aware of if what if you could get that money outside of the self directed IRA. Now there's tax consequences of that, but see when you buy real estate inside of a self directed IRA, you're taking a tax advantage asset and moving it into a qualified plan asset, and you're you're basically just postponing that tax to someday in the future. Now there's all different types of rules and things like that as it relates to the self directed IRA, but it's something that we should maybe consider thinking about because of the tax ramifications around holding that asset in that self-directed ira and so it's not a matter of they're they're, it, it, they're good or they're bad or it's just we have to look at what the overall plan is and in my opinion if taxes are going to go up i want to get as much money taxed i, I want to pay as much tax as i can today as crazy as that sounds because i don't want it to come back to bite me in the future I want to hold the real estates outside the assets outside of that self-directed IRA. So I have some of the tax benefits. Now, again, we have to look at current tax code. We have to look at what's going on. Like they current administration could change that. They're talking about moving cap gains rate up to 39.9, 39.6%, right? They're talking about getting rid of the 1031 exchanges. They're talking about doing all these different things. So as it relates to tax strategies and where our money is held, again, it goes back to what I talked to you about. I don't care about what my asset value is. I care about what I can spend. And so those are the conversations that we have to have.
1: Yeah. So John, you consult with clients all the time. What is one aha moment, if you will, what is, what is one big, um, revelation, if you will, that your clients learn from you in conversations that is like a trend. It's like, you know, I visit with, you know, 10 new clients, and in my conversations with them, there's this one thing that most of them take away from your conversations. What is that big aha moment that's sort of that commonality?
2: Yeah, I think, and and that's, I mean, you know, everybody's a little bit different, but I think, you know, um, I had, so here's, I had three meetings before our call today, right? And one aha moment was, is that, future tax rates if they go up does it make any sense to postpone the tax and the tax calculation to somebody in the future right and a difference between a reduction and a deduction another aha moment was the miracle of compounding the miracle of uninterrupted compounding interest we never want to lose the forward momentum of our wealth and we never want to get off that compounding curve and how do we utilize velocity of money in our strategy for us as consumers and another big one, Jay, I think, you know, is a lot of aha moment is really understanding, you know, my, my, I call it my BS. My belief system is that it's more important to avoid losses than it is to pick the winners. And that's not typically how we think about how wealth should work, right? We're always trying to find the higher rate of return, but if let me give you an example of that. Okay. So Jay, under current tax code, 60% of Americans will lose on average $250,000 of wealth, the way the tax code is set up in retirement. Okay, Mm -hmm. so if we look at what I call your accumulated money, if you're in that position to where you're gonna lose a guaranteed of $250,000 of wealth in retirement, what rate of return would you have to get in your assets to recapture that $200,000 loss? It's almost impossible to do, right? But if we can avoid that loss altogether legally, you're in a far greater position than it is what you earn, right? So if you can avoid the loss that's going to have a greater impact on you than any rate of return.
1: Well, I'll tell you what, John, fear of loss always is a much bigger motivator than hope of gain.
2: <laughs> it is. And in our but our, in our industry, it's all about, you know, so let you know, I mean, if all I ever do is talk to you about rate of return, Jay, and you and I'm managing your money, who's taking the risk with the money, me or you? Yeah, it's my money. It's your you're taking the risk. I get paid regardless of the outcome. Now don't misunderstand what I'm trying to communicate. Rate return has its value in the overall wealth equation, but it's not the solve all be all answer. We have to look at many different factors, especially how do we minimize and avoid losses? Just in that example, if I can show you how to navigate and and eliminate a $250,000 loss, the way the tax code is set up in provisional income testing, you could be way further ahead than trying to rate return your way out of that loss makes a lot
1: of sense. John, so, I know, go ahead.
2: So I didn't really give you one aha moment, but I just kind of gave you aha moments actually. Cause I asked that question every time I meet with the client, I want to know on a scale of one to 10, how do we do with meeting with what you wanted to accomplish today, what your outcome was? And number two, what had the biggest impact and what was your aha moment? That's how I end every conversation because we need to make sure that we're driving and connecting to what's important to the client.
1: Absolutely. John, I know we have got a lot of um, listeners here that are interested in connecting with you, uh, having a conversation with you, uh, taking care of uh, that fear of loss, protecting what they've got, talking about long-term wealth. So how can they continue the conversation with you and connect?
2: Hey Jada, I really appreciate that. In fact, for this, for this podcast or this broadcast, right? Um, we created a, a personal landing page for everybody on this show called no noplanningfeed.com. No and if the listeners just want to go to that and mention the podcast and the, in the broadcast, um, I call it a broadcast, right? Podcast, but you know, go there and you can schedule a call. Um, you can have a 30 minute conversation consultation over the phone to see if it, it's something that you want to explore, or you can just say, you know what, Let, let's schedule an hour and let's really dig in and, and go from there. But we created that, that uh, landing page just for this uh, show today. And so I'm looking forward to hearing from them. And again, you know, if you don't want to work with us, that's okay, right? We're not, we're not for everybody, but at least if we can provide value or someone on my team can bribe, provide value, then lo- log a time on and, and we'll be happy to have a conversation with you. Thank
1: you for offering that, John. So everybody, again, that is www.fmc.org. NoPlanningFee.com, which is all spelled out, www.N-O-P-L-A-N-N-I-N-G-F-E-E.com, NoPlanningFee.com. John, parting comments.
2: Man, it was just a really honor to be on here with you, Jay. And I, I know that uh, you joined me on a podcast earlier, so I just appreciate being on and talking to you and your listeners. And again, I appreciate you and and uh, all the awesome things that you're doing. So thanks so much for having me on.
1: All right, John, thank you so much for joining me. And there you have it folks, another episode of Real Estate Investing with Jay Conner. I'm Jay Conner, the Private Money Authority, wishing you all the best. Here's to taking your business to the next level and we'll see you on the next show.